Good morning, church family. Uh, If you will, just please join me and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 8 through 12 this morning. And if you don't have one, feel free to use the one right there in front of you. We are going to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And as you're finding your page and turning to it, as Randy mentioned earlier, this is the second week of Advent. And so we are celebrating and looking at the Advent of joy, or the coming of joy. And so when when Jesus came, he brought joy to us, and that is exactly what we will find in this passage. Now before we dive in, let me just give you a little bit of context behind what's happening here. Um, In the first seven verses, verses one through seven, Luke tells us that Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire, issued a command to have every single person registered. And so during this time, Joseph and Mary have traveled up to the city of David, also called Bethlehem, to be registered. And it was at this place, it was at this place where Mary gave birth to her son. And that is where we pick up in verse 7. It says, Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And so, so we will see three things this morning. We're going to see the scope of the message, the Savior of the world, and the sign of the shepherds. So go ahead and follow along with me as I read these verses, starting in verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And so in this passage, we see good news. We see the good news of great joy that is coming to all the world that is being proclaimed to these shepherds. In other words, what's happening is that God's glory, his glory that used to dwell in the tabernacle and in the temple has now come to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this good news that's happening in history is is unique because what we see is that in the Old Testament, what God has chosen to do is choose a group of people or choose a nation to display his glory, and now we see that his glory has come down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is the good news of great joy, and this is why in verse 10 the angels say, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And that's the scope of the message that we're looking at today, is that this great news is for all people. The good news of great joy is for all people. In other words, you can have great joy. See, what you would have expected, what the world was expecting was not this. 
They were not expecting the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord to come down humbly not even, and lie not even in an inn but in a manger. What they were expecting was exactly what was written in, in Isaiah 9, chapter 6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So the child that is to be born is supposed to be it's supposed to have the government on his shoulders. He would be wise. He would be divine and powerful, not wrapped in cloth lying in a manger that is meant for animals. See, and secondly, the Holy Spirit here, if you look at the first three chapters of Luke, really the first two chapters, but then we find Jesus' baptism in the third chapter, what we see is something unprecedented that's happening. And what, what we're seeing is a move of God, a move of the Holy Spirit, where he starts to fill people. And that is unprecedented because we don't see that in the Old Testament. And let me just show you, Luke 1, verses, verse 15 says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1, verse 35, the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Luke 1, verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1, 67, then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Luke 2, 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And then Luke 3, 21 and 22, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So there is a move of God that is so distinct and so different than what has happened in the Old Testament. So you see, God is starting. He is preparing the way for his plan of redemption and reconciliation for mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So, so what, when the shepherds say that great joy has come or will be for all people, that's exactly what it's for. It's for all people, for all nations, that means it's for you. It's for me. It's not just great news for the Jews, but it's great news for the nations. So in verse 10, what's happening here is that the shepherds who are receiving this message from the angels, they are receiving a message of the good news of the one that is the good shepherd and the Lamb of God. He's both. He's the good shepherd, and he's the lamb of God who takes away our sins. And that's exactly the message that has come to these shepherds. And then we keep reading in verse 11, and what the angels say 
is this, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And that brings us to our second point today is the Savior, or the Savior of the world. See, the Savior who is born here, if you look, the Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah. So this baby that is born is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. And we can also tell this because his name is Jesus, which literally means God saves. And so that is what he has came to do, is that this Savior has came to save. And so it doesn't matter who you are, where you've grown up, where you live, what you've done in your life, here's the message, you need a Savior. Every single one of us need a Savior. And many of you might ask, well, what do I need a Savior from? Right? I mean, I live a good life. I check all the boxes. I even go to church sometimes or I've grown up in the church. And here's the thing, let me show you why you need a Savior. No matter where you are, no matter where you live, you are either in one of two kingdoms. You're either in the kingdom of God's Son, or you're in the domain of darkness. And if you're taking notes, you can go and, and read that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And so we have two kingdoms. We have the, the kingdom of God's Son and the domain of darkness. And Romans 14 defines the kingdom of God's Son as righteousness, peace, and joy. And so this is the kingdom that we were all created for that we were all created to be in relationship with God, with his son, in righteousness, peace, and joy. And this is what we were created for, but there's bad news because although we were created for that, Romans 5 verse 12 says this, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. So death and sin has spread to all humanity. It has spread and pervaded into all of humanity because of one person. And if we trace anyone, anyone's family history or family tree all the way back to the beginning, we will all end up in one person. We will all end up in Adam. It doesn't matter who you are, where you were born. If we trace you all the way back to the beginning, there's one spot where it started, and that's in Adam. And because of his disobedience and because of his sin, death and sin has pervaded into all of humanity. And so with that came the separation from God. And so we are created for the kingdom of God's Son, but because we are born in Adam, we are now living under the domain of darkness. And for all those who are living in this kingdom, for all those who are living in the domain of darkness, Jesus calls you sons of Satan and slaves to sin. That's pretty harsh, right? I mean, to call someone 
a son of Satan or a slave to sin. That's pretty harsh. That's pretty bad news. And it goes even farther. In, um, in Romans 1.18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So not only are you sons of Satan, slaves to sin, but we're also under the wrath of God. And so all of us who are born in Adam are those three things. In the domain of darkness, that is what we are under. You're sons of Satan, slaves to sin, and under the wrath of God. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how many good works you have done in your life. It doesn't matter, matter how... Um, how well your bank account looks or how much good you do for other people or how nice you treat other people, that is where you stand. That is the kingdom of which you are walking in. But there's good news. See, this whole morning and and throughout these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the, the coming of the Savior and what He has done for us. And Romans 5, 18, verse 19 says this, just as one trespass, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. You see, Jesus is able to save because he was not born in Adam. See, Pastor Jesse talked on this a little bit last week when when he was mentioning the incarnation. And all of us, all of humanity has been born in Adam. Adam, but Jesus is distinct and separate because he is born of God. He is fully God and fully man. See, he, he took on humanity. So his righteous act, his one righteous act resulted in justification and life for people. But here's the thing. You must believe. You must believe in him. You must believe that his life and death counted for you. You must not trust in yourself for salvation or to be saved or try to work your way up to God, but trust in the one who has came down to save you. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so this is what a Savior does, right? A Savior saves. And that is exactly who we're talking about. And so this Savior, this little boy who was born in a manger in the city of David, of whom it was said would bring great joy to all people, lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and was hung on a cross, a penalty of which both you and I deserve. And on that cross, a couple things have happened. Remember when I said in the domain of darkness we're sons of Satan, slave to sin, and under the wrath of God? Well, on that cross and through that cross, 
we have forgiveness of sins. But not only that, but on that cross, Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself. He broke our slavery to sin, and he has transferred us over from sons of Satan in the domain of darkness over to the kingdom of God's Son. And so that's the work that the Savior came to do. He came to save, but also, if you're wondering, there's also something else included in that. Acts 26, verse 17 and 18 says this. This is Jesus' Jesus speaking, I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then 1 John 3 verse 8 The one who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. And so here's the one day the domain of darkness will be destroyed and all those who are living in in that kingdom along with it. All those who are living in that kingdom under the domain of darkness will suffer a fate worse than death. But in the midst of that darkness, a Savior was born. And so that this Savior is born to the world, he has come, and he is the reason for great joy then and the reason and identity of great joy now. And so we see this in the following verse, in verse 12, where it says, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. So our third point for today, we will look at the sign of, or sign for the shepherds. The sign was given to the shepherds was that they would find this baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Not a house, not an inn, but a manger. The Savior of the world came not as a ruling tyrant or privileged ruler, but as a helpless and humble baby. The Son of God stepped into humanity and took on the form of a servant. In other words, he emptied himself, but not by subtraction, but by addition of humanity. And so this baby, in this baby, lying in the manger, what we have is is he is fully God and he is fully man. He is not born in Adam, but he is born of God. So he lived the perfect life, the sinless life for you and me and all those who believe and trust in him have the forgiveness of sin. They have, Jesus has taken the wrath of God He has broken their slavery to sin and transferred them from slaves or sons of Satan to the kingdom of God's Son. See, He is the one that joy is found in. And so joy is only accessed through Christ, through the Messiah, the anointed one. For He is the one who gave up His life. 
And so the one who came to give you life and life abundantly is this baby. And so as we celebrate the coming of joy this week, here's the message. Joy is not found in the gifts under the tree. It is not found in how others view you. It is not found in your bank account. It is not found in how well you treat others. It is only found in the Savior who satisfies the very empty hole in your soul that you continue to try to fill and nothing can satisfy. And I am a witness of this. Before Christ, before I trusted in Christ, I was constantly seeking the pleasures and desires of the world that promised to satisfy me but would never satisfy. But when I placed my faith in in Christ and believed in him, he changed my life. And joy entered my soul. And so it's not merely happiness or something that we look at from an event or happening around us, but it's based on who Jesus is and the work that he came to do. And and another thing, when Jesus came and he was born lying in a manger, it's 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 not this fancy feast and celebration and party that's happening, but he's lying in a manger. There wasn't an end for him. And so he came humbly to the world, emptying himself, adding on to humanity so that he can pay the price for your sin. And through him, we can have joy. And so you can either spend the rest of your life busy, tired, overwhelmed, anxious, striving to please everyone and everything and always running out to the point where you have to muscle up a smile each morning, or you can turn to the one who promises to give you life and life abundantly. John 10.10 says, a thief comes to to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus came so that you may have life, abundant life. Not just merely going through the motions of the world, but you will be set apart and given a purpose for your life. And through that, through obeying God and trusting in God, that he will fill you up and give you joy. And so don't let the fleeting passions and desires of the world stop you from experiencing this sweet joy that caused not only the shepherds, but all of heaven to sing and praise God. It wasn't a celebration. It wasn't a big event but they were celebrating and praising God because he has come down into humanity to save us. And that alone is worthy of praise to God. And may we praise God for that. So you can have joy. You can be saved. And not only that, but you can know the Savior. He knows you, and you can know him. And so let's pray together. 
Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are the Savior, that you have come into this world, not as a, as a tyrant ruler or a privileged ruler, but as a baby. And through you, God, that you can give us great joy because you have saved us, you have rescued us. And I pray for anyone in here today who is not following you, who does not trust in you, God, that they would, they would place their faith and trust in you and turn away from their sin and turn to God and be rescued and be saved and that you would give them joy. In the name of Jesus, amen.